You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. This is Gail Buse, and I'm here today with Jeff Pemberton, and we're in Michigan right now at a camp for his church in Fort Grashat. Yep. And uh, Jeff's the youth minister, and so we wanted to talk about social media and youth um, and have an opportunity to share some things with our FCF churches. And so to begin with, I want to ask you, what's the importance of having some kind of policy regarding social media and all the tools that are out there in digital communication today when you're dealing with youth? Yeah, uh, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, the biggest thing uh, in, in, in having any policy, as we know, is it builds a protection. The reason we put any of our policies in place in our buildings, in our um, in our activities, is simply so that we have a framework that we can actually function well in ministry. Um, and what we've found very quickly over the last uh, many years is that many of the policies that we put in place in our physical youth activities were the same sort of policies we had to translate into the digital world. Um, and so really um, the reason that, you know, a, a lot of churches haven't been sure, you know, with with the social media thing, like a lot of businesses haven't been sure with the social media thing, how, how involved do we get? Um, how much do we set up rules around it? How much can we control it? You know, because it's, it's people and it's communication. So it makes it, it's a difficult thing to try to, to wrap anything around. Um, but it's, it's necessary if we're going to be effective in ministering to, to youth. Uh, they're using it. Um, not only are they, but as, as many of us know, our, our whole congregations, we're using it. They're using it. It's a new form of communication in our culture, and we're going to have to find a way to figure out how we're going to manage that if we're going to keep protections around our youth and protections around our ministries and our adults. So I know that you work in the social media field, so you have the ability to be probably um, ahead of most people on technology that's happening. But the importance is it's changing all the time, and youth aren't using the same tools for communication that my generation or older generation would be using. So um, when you're dealing with your youth, what, how do you communicate with them and how do you begin to set those parameters in place? So, so basically oftentimes it's, it's a matter of meeting them where they're at, right? So we have to find out what communications they're using and then, and then make, a, make a determination uh, whether or not what they're doing works within the policy that we've set. So to kind of put it in practical terms, um, you know, oftentimes most youth, youth ministers are used to the policy of, you know, you don't really minister to kids alone. You know, if there's, if there's an altar call and there's a kid down there, you're, you know, you, your team knows, hey, team up and, you know, make sure there's two adults there and, and you're working with a kid. We do that same thing uh, digitally. So uh, we, we basically have set our policy that we do not individually text our children. Um, you know, our youth, uh, a lot of our youth, our youth are getting phones younger and younger and younger. Um, 
And, but, you know, it started with our high schoolers at first and we, we started to realize we have to, you know, they're, they're, they're texting us that we, we can't call and get a phone call in <laughs> with, with, uh, kids that we used to be able to call them on the phone and say, Hey, we're doing this youth event come to the church, whatever. We, we can't get an answer. Kids don't answer their phones as yeah. much as they used to. Uh, a lot of parents know that struggle. Um, instead they started texting and right away we realized we, we've got a vulnerability here. Um, because, um, not only is there the fact that, you know, something could happen, there's the fact that there's this unchecked communication going on, um, that we have no control over once something's sent to my phone it's, and I open it, it's on my phone. Um, and so one of the things that we start, we, we, we established is first, what is our policy going to be? So if, if our policy is going to be no digital communication, that's not with multiple adults, you know, two or more, um, uh, with any one youth, then that, that is the policy. So, um, we use that as then the precedent to, to set every other decision on, okay, this new social app, because we're recording this now in 2017, you know, in six months, there's going to be some social app and whatever one we're talking about today that comes up in this discussion may be obsolete. Yeah. You know, it moves so fast. So, we can't rely on the fact that the technology is going to be the same or that this one's the one to use because, you know, a setting may change in three months and that's no longer a good form of communication. Um, and so that the important part for us first was let's set up our policy. Our policy is going to be just like we do in the, in the live ministry setting. No, no adults alone. So, okay, how do we translate that? Well, the easiest way for us was uh, group texting. So we took all of our high schoolers, and we, we had a very small youth group at the time. We had about, uh, I think, eight high schoolers, and we just had a very direct conversation with them. We were able to say, hey, you know what? We're setting up our church policies. Um, we're trying to figure out how we're going to do this as a church, and, you know, guys, one of the things we want to do is we want to protect you, and we want to protect the church. And we'll, to do that, we need to make sure that we're protecting our communication. And you guys know because our high schoolers are also helping minister. And we've taught them that when they're ministering to the junior hires and they're doing this thing, that they should always be pulling in a partner. That there's no need to minister on your own. You know, Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. We can go two by two. Um, and so we, we've taught that as kind of a principle and set that culture in place so that when we explain to them, hey, we need you to text us both together on a, on a group text— for them, it was an easy change. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't something that caused a lot of discomfort or a lot of, um, or a lot of uh, our big fear. I guess was that they wouldn't open up. You know what I mean? You, you sometimes you get that text conversation going with the youth, and they just because that's how they they're comfortable communicating. We know that's how they'll open up, and you can just shoot text back and forth and actually get other stuff done. It's kind of convenient, um, but. We, we were nervous when we first implemented it. Oh, you know, are they still going to text? Because it feels a little more intimidating in a group. Yeah. But we found often, like, like just like in ministry, um, in, the, in those moments, it doesn't. They, they adapt quickly, and they understand. Um, and the benefit of making a universal rule is that it wasn't that all of a sudden some, some kid feels like the odd one out because we group text with that kid because we had that caution come up in our spirit, but we don't group text with the other kid because, you know, it's the pastor's kid and, and we've known them since they were five. You know, we, we just draw the line across the board and it really created a scenario where it felt safe. They understood why we did it and 
it was it was quick for them to adapt to it. Very good. So what you're saying is that when they send a text, they send it to you and the and the person that co runs the youth ministry with you. So what do you do when they turn around and they forget and yeah. they do send a text yeah. because it happens. It, it happens. Does. Um, we, it's, it's our, our simple rule we set up with ourselves is don't respond back to them in, in that individual type. And I mean, usually I will tell you it happens probably on a, every other week, I'd say I get a random text from a couple different youth that, you know, we're getting ready for camp. Uh, Hey, can I bring, you know, can I bring this or that to camp? Um, and they shoot, they shoot that text just to me because I was the one that sent out a big group communication about packing for camp. Um, well, I screenshot that text on my phone. I go back in my other group with my co-leader and I put the screenshot in there so that she knows what I'm <laughs> what I'm talking about when I give a random answer and I say, "Yes, you can bring this to camp." And uh, you know, about half the time they go, "Oh, thanks. Sorry, I forgot to put it on the group." And the other half the time they just say, "Okay, thanks." On the group, you know, they 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 get that that's the communication. Now, what do you do when technology is changing and it has and and the youth begin to introduce maybe an, another tool, another app to communicate with other than just texting? Because there's so many out there that yeah. they're using with their friends. Yep. So that's uh, that's again. So uh, this this is a good example because. We uh, just about a month ago, or a couple months ago now, uh, we had that come up. I uh, we there was a video app out there uh, called Marco Polo, and it's uh, you know it's this little app where you you it's they call it a video walkie-talkie, and so you take a little it's almost like FaceTime, but uh, you know you kind of take a video of yourself and then you send, then it, you send it, and then you wait for the video to come back. It's not as effective as FaceTime, uh, but again youth were into it well um i ended up i was downloading it and next you know i downloaded this app and right away it notified all of all of my youth who had the app that i had downloaded it so they started sending me videos well i happened to be sitting right next to my co-leader at the time and i looked at her and i said download marco polo you know and uh she said what's that i said it's a social app i don't want to download that social app and i said i know well but regardless you're going to because we got to do this together and our youth are on it. We had a youth that was on vacation, actually, and she sent a, uh, you know, the minute she saw that uh, one of us was on there, she was excited and sent us a message. Hey, we're on vacation. Jumped in there with her sister and, and, sent, and, and sent a video. And, you know, that was the moment where I said, okay, I have to look at this app. I have to establish what is my rule. My rule is I don't communicate alone. So am I just going to send a video back by myself? No way. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get start getting into a video chat with a, with a teenage girl. So can I, can this piece of technology fit within my policy? My policy is I need another adult. Okay. This app has the ability to send messages on its own. Okay. So I could send a private message back and forth, just like I could technically text any youth whose number I have, but I have the ability to not open a message that they send me. So I don't have to worry about, um, if I open that video app right away, her video to me is going to start. I have to click it. If I don't click it, I'm not going to see it. I can, I can delete it. I said, okay, this app works for something we can use, and I can create a group in here. Okay, so I did that. My co-leader downloaded the app. We made a little video, put it in a group, and sent it back to her just like we would as if it was a text. And again, that app lasted. I think they were into it for about three, four weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they that get one bored did, easy. They, they get, to the it next switches. One. It switches. But um, there are other apps where we where we really had to you know deliberate back and forth. You know, I don't know on this app. You know, with how this works, can't I don't think there's a way that I can do this and 
you know, not be protected because as soon as I open the app, I get, I get the message and I have to see it or whatever. Um, and those are the ones that we say, well, you know what, this is, this is where we're going to draw the line. Oh, Hey guys, no, you know, we're not going to download that app. Okay. So you just let the, you let them know as a whole, this is not going to be a tool that we're going to use amongst ourselves. Yep. And, and they, cause a lot of times they'll, they'll be excited. They'll say, Oh yeah, you have to download this app. It's so funny. It's so great. Um, you know, and so we, you know, that's where we'll just tell them like, Oh no, I'm not going to download that app. Sometimes we tell them why sometimes, you know, depending on the situation. Um, but we, we just make it clear like, Nope, that's not, no, I'll, I'll just text you. No, I, I really like it. Sometimes we'll just use the, you know, the idea. I really like this other app, you know, this is my personal preference. Um, and cause that way it's not all, it doesn't always have to be an issue, you know? Um, I mean, they're using Snapchat now and that's yeah. one that, it doesn't keep a record of what it is that they sent. So um, that creates some problems in a youth environment. So how do you deal with something like that? It does. It does. Um, so Snapchat is one that, you know, I always say uh, if if you're not using it yet, don't. <laughs> um, that's kind of uh, that's kind of been our our general advice. Um, cause we have, a, that, that's a question that comes up a lot with parents, you know, what about Snapchat? What about Snapchat? And, um, and maybe you should explain what that is because, um, I know we're going to have youth pastors listening to yep. this, but we also have people that are adults yeah. with either, uh, grandchildren that are in their teen years. And it's not just teen now because it could be younger than that. Kids are getting phones at younger ages. So, yeah. um, Maybe we should inform them how yeah. Snapchat so, works. So, so the whole idea of Snapchat is that you uh, you take a, you you send a message, whether it's via text or via video or via photo, um, and it's set to expire. So you set at any time frame from one to ten seconds that that message is going to show up. Now. On the other end of receiving the message, there are ways that it can be saved. Um, you know, someone could screenshot your video. Someone could play your video while they're watching it to other people. Um, someone could replay your video one time. Um, they could, there's actually a button on there to save any text that gets sent to you. Um, and those are the things that, but it's, it's whole nature is that it all gets deleted. Now, we, we know that nothing on the internet ever really gets deleted. Yes. And so even if it gets deleted from the two people that sent the message back and forth, it's sitting on Snapchat servers um, for who knows how long. Um, and if those, those are a vulnerability that if it ever, you know, got, uh, we've seen different news stories come out where celebrities accounts have gotten hacked and all these photos and things have been uh, from, or Snapchat's been hacked and all these celebrity photos and everything get published online. You know, some, someday your batch of photos could be that, uh, could be within that release um, if something like that happened, but the general principle of it is it's a whole communication tool built around the idea that this communication is going to expire yeah. and this communication is going to go away. Um, that was, so for us, we, we got into this early and I, you know, our high schoolers were huge into Snapchat. And so, uh, before we had set our policy in place, but that was kind of, we, that was, that was our school of hard knocks going through figuring out social media was with Snapchat. And that was one that we, we had first, uh, we had first downloaded and looked at it. And we, again, we didn't really have a policy in place. We said, well, you know what? They really seem to be communicating through this, and it was true. I could, I could text a kid and not get a response, and then Snapchat them and get a response two seconds later. It's just like you know the old the old situation where you'd call them and not get a response, and then text them, and you do. Um, and 
So we went ahead and we downloaded it. We we started using it as a tool to communicate with them. If I had to do it over again, I'd say I, I wouldn't do it. For us, it's one of those things. The ball had already got rolling, so it was easier to kind of finish out with this crew, um, our small group of high schoolers, with where it was to kind of keep it moving forward. But for youth groups that haven't implemented using Snapchat um, in any way, I... But you still do it within a group... We still, yeah. So, yeah. So, what we do, Snapchat added a couple features uh, that made it much easier. So, um, there we were able to set up a group, a group chat in that Snapchat where whenever we take a photo and send it, we're never sending it to just a youth or even really are we just sending it to, you know, uh, that same like, you know, youth and another adult. We really have made Snapchat a general tool for the youth, you know, so like when, uh, Bob was preaching last night, one of the youth is pulling out their Snapchat and they're taking a video of it and sending it to the whole group of, of teens. Um, you know, and so we made it a tool in that way that we'll, we'll do group photos, you know, that fun, you know, funny stuff like that, that we'll send back and forth or like, you know, our kids doing backflips and things that they love to do. They, they, that's, that has become the primary use of Snapchat. And what we've done is we've really, um, we've downplayed, our use of Snapchat, you know, and we've kind of, we've, even in building policy and in, in building our relationships with youth, you know, we're setting the culture. And so we, we keep setting a culture where our main communication comes through this, this group texting method. And then, you know, if there, if there are these other social tools that come out and things and, and it works to, to use it for one facet, but we know, you know, in all reality, I don't want to build my youth group around an app that everything gets deleted. I told them, I was like, guys, I hate that you ta- you send all these pictures on Snapchat because I can't keep them. You know, I can't even screenshot them all. I can't keep up. I, I want to have these photos forever, you know, when we go do fun events or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I try to say, well, you know, why do you, why do you want to take a photo that expires in, in five, you know, in five seconds? Don't you want to keep that photo? Um, and so we, we kind of steer the culture back to that group texting rather than. I think of a couple things here. One, I think of the fact that they're not always thinking of the impact of the things that they're posting. They're young. They're not thinking about those kind of things. They're not thinking about you work in social media and you know how in the business arena arena that employers are looking at people's social media and it could really yeah yeah, it could really impact them being hired or not being hired by the kind of things they're posting yeah that's actually some of the things that we've taken the time to actually teach our youth you know we've had uh we've had talks with them where not only do we you know kind of we of course we cover some of the cultural things of you know um you're, you're facing the fact that they're, they're all addicted to these screens, you know, and how that impacts their spiritual life, how that impacts their relationships with, relationships with each other. But then also we've taken the time, you know, I've used some of that business experience to be able to tell them, you know, guys, I, I know employers look at people's Facebook accounts. I, you know, I've, I've looked up people on Facebook before I've hired them. Uh, you know, I had a guy I hired that I, uh, I was hiring for a social media position. And I said, I looked at your Twitter account. You might want to take a look at that and delete a few posts there, you know. Um, This is the reality of the world that we're in. And a lot of times our youth are missing that critical component of being able to separate um, a private life and a public life. Mm. And not in an unhealthy way, you know, not in the way that they're living double lives. A lot of them are, a lot of them need that confronted as well. But just to really because of the culture they've grown up in, they don't have a good concept usually of what 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 is meant to be shared 
in the public arena. And what's private? And what's just meant to be private, yeah. whether it's private within a small group or private, just that's that's all that's just for you. Yeah. The other thing it makes me think of just in us uh, talking here is something that happened to me this week. Just at one of the meals, I was sitting with a bunch of youth. There were adults there, too. And we're sitting there talking. And in the course of conversation, I told one of the youth, I mean, I'm innocent in it, not thinking Mm -hmm. about it, um, that I would send some resources to him, uh, downloaded the resource. It was actually just video about church history that's concise and fun to watch and got his number sent it to him but that's the very thing where we're we're innocent and I'm not even thinking as an adult number one how to protect myself I mean though I trust this young person he now has my number I now have his number um, that really I need to I mean not just within youth group but our church itself the community has to be thinking that I should never ever even be sending somebody like him who's even responsible um, uh, a link to a YouTube video that's going to bless him spiritually without thinking about that I need to do that in a group text yeah definitely and that's the that's the I would say like you said it's the innocent adults uh, in the church especially that I've watched have had the hardest time um, adapting to that, that culture shift for us, you know, um, you, you, we kind of, we, we try to communicate the policy, Hey, this is what we do, but it became unclear. Well, that's, that's the youth pastors, you know, that's the youth workers policy. But what we've really tried to do is, is, is kind of instill that in the congregation. It's got to be whole. church policy. It's got to be church policy. It really Not does. Not just youth policy because, these days. Exactly. Because there's so much overlap. And, and again, that, that protection's there, you know, the, you don't realize that, um, it's not just it's not just the kid you're concerned about. Like you said, the kid you're talking about, I know you're talking about. It's a, he's a good, responsible kid. I wouldn't be worried about anything. But if he sends you a, a text by mistake and you have this history of texting, you know, it, there's so many open doors that could come where if you have a set precedence of the only text that exists between me and this person is this group yep. that, that, that's always going on, you, you, save, you, save the, you save any of the scenarios that, that none of us would ever want to happen yeah. from coming up and you don't provide you, you you provide reinforcement for that youth who needs that constant reminder of this is how we communicate this is how i facilitate adult communication in my church so they don't start getting the wrong idea because well with this adult they always want it in a group this adult doesn't want it in a group this adult you know doesn't you know this this adult doesn't matter and they have they have different rules and said they know this is how we do this yes. and it provides consistency yeah yeah i mean we're not thinking about it so it really has to be something that goes beyond just the youth group and how it operates and policy and really educate the whole church look at we are, we live in such a changing environment with social media yeah. that it's almost like there has to be church policy on on things like this. Everybody's got to be up to date because you don't know who's coming to prey on the youth. Exactly. Or you don't know even youth that, you know, could have wrong motives yeah. when it comes to an adult. Yep. And that's exactly it. And if you have a, if you have a church policy, you know, you, you, in that scenario where you have an adult praying on a youth, you know, a, every, every horrible headline you read about that, it's always the guy that nobody expected. Mm-hmm. It's always the situation that, you know, nobody saw coming. And so it's not the guy that, you know, uh, it's, if you knew that there was going to be an issue, you wouldn't, you wouldn't let the guy 
you're the youth. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you think about it, if the policy is set in place and that and those youth know that all adults always communicate on a group and the ones that don't know because it is it is going to happen because you get new people coming in and, and and that that it's always facilitated that communication always ends up back in the group if an adult starts to act outside of that to pull to prey on a young youth it, it's going to stand out to that youth and it's going to stand out to others if you know if if that youth is having a conversation and because they don't know yet that there's a that there's an adult with a wrong motive working on their minds and grooming them they're going to, when they're having a conversation with me as youth pastor, oh, well, I was, I was texting with so-and-so the other day and they said this to me, I'm going to have a red flag go yeah. off and I'm going to, I'm going to remind that youth and remind that adult, this isn't how we do communication here. And those situations are going to be hopefully blocked before they ever happen. Well, if you're training them that way, that youth is going to think about automatically, I need to bring um, pastor Jeff in yep. on this text message as well as, yep. as I'm texting whoever that person might be, you kind of train them that way. Okay. So when we're dealing with um, the adults and the parents, how do you, um, I'm sure they come to you and ask you like, how do I put filters on tools that my children are using? How do I stay on top of some of the tools that they're using? Um, Because it's changing faster than we can almost be educated. It's true. It's true. It is. I, I can barely keep up. Um, and in some ways I don't keep up. I have, I have youth that are my, my main resources. Um, one of the things that I think is important is, you know, you really have an in as the youth minister to be able to speak into this, into families. There are a lot of families that, um, they're, they're longing for the help, but they, they don't know what to do. And you don't have to be the tech, you know, the technical expert. Um, there are people, no matter how small the congregation, there's always, there's always a geek in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, uh, we're blessed, as you know, Gail, to have many, yes. many geeks. Uh, <laughs> we have a whole geek squad. Um, but, you know, I, there's always someone, and that's always, there, there are people that, you know, aren't necessarily good with youth, you know, but that they'd love to help. And, you know, they'd love to, they, they love what the youth ministry is doing, but they know that they're not very good with, you know, they're not, they're not the guy that's going to get up and talk in front of kids, but they are good on computers. And if I, and if you can go to them and say, Hey, I need your help in the youth ministry. We've got an epidemic going on here of digital communication and, uh, vulnerabilities for these kids, whether it be, and we can go a little more into this, but whether it be pornography or just setting up communication tools or just teaching parents how the devices work so that they have a better understanding so that they can see what their kids are looking at. Um, all of those things, you have people that will, will get involved. Um, and so I would look for those people. If, if you know, you yourself aren't, aren't technologically there, I'd look for those people in the church and start to start to, you know, empower them to help. Um, that's, I, I've gone to, I've gone to a couple of guys and I've said, listen, I don't know how to use Android phones. You know, I, I use Apple phones. I have Apple computers. Everything I do is Apple. I don't know how any of the filters and all that work on Android. I can Google it and try to figure it out or you can help me so that I know if I have a parent that comes to me with an Android phone, I can send them to you. Yeah. And that's what I try to do. I try to find the people that I can put in the spots that, 
that will know so that we have a team of people that we know all have figured out how to, how to work this and can keep up on it. And then when one of us finds something new, we're keeping each other informed of what's changing in technology so that we can keep up with it. I mean, it's not, we're not only uh, challenged as adults with changing technology, but it's just like you say, you even have the tools are different. They operate on different systems. So whether you have an Android or whether you have an iPhone, um, even the, the way the apps might function or this or that there it's different and so the challenge is huge for you as a youth pastor let alone the parents and the kind of filters that they need to have to protect their children yep and i think the the to add another level of complication to that you also have the difference in parenting style that goes on from there and so, you know, you have some parents and this is, you know, this happens across different, uh, different scenarios all, all, you know, outside of technology, we all know, but you know, the fact that some parents are extremely active and extremely aware of what their children are looking at on their phones. They might have a lot of safeguards already in place. They figured some of this out and you have others that have handed their kids a phone and, you know, said, have, have fun, you know, and, and some of it, not because, not because they're a bad parent, not because, because they don't know, they don't know the danger that's out there. Um, and that's, um, that's probably again, where I see, we really have a responsibility as youth pastors. We're, we're engaged in the culture that the youth are in. We're dealing with what they're dealing with. We have a responsibility to be going to our parents and saying, Hey, I want to, you know what, and going to our pastors and saying, hey, I want to run a class on how to, how to uh, handle technology. I want to run a class on the assault of pornography on children. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to run a class on how we can put safeguards on these devices. I want to, you know, I want to uh, just educate the congregation on how this works. And we really have a responsibility to do that because otherwise we're doing a disservice to our youth and to our families. And children, because it's yeah. not just teenagers anymore it's much younger um so what i hear out of this is somewhere along the line there has to be people resources or a way to bring resources that even let people know hey these are some of the tools that are out there that will block this kind of um sites that um for your teenager and so someone has to be able to put that out there and not just put it out there but have courses or classes a session with parents or even the congregation because it's young children now it is the you know the there's a misconception out there that you know uh pornography is made for adults it's adult entertainment right they call it it's not geared towards adults it's it's designed and geared towards 11 to 13 year olds you know, at the at the at the prime age of them going through puberty, the pornography industry knows, and the enemy knows, if he can get them hooked at this stage of life where they're developing sexually, and they're they're building this part of their brain that they'll become addicted and they'll have them for life. You know, it's just like the old cigarette commercials were all geared towards the younger generation, not those that could actually buy them. <laughs> um, and that's that's the reality of what we're facing is we're facing a culture. I I've had uh, I've had young people come to me and uh you know we've set up the filters on their phone we've 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 done the things and then a week you know a week or two later they're coming to me and go and and they have another way that they figured out how and they didn't research it somehow they had this thought to go do this thing or that thing or this and click these couple other apps on their phone and access pornography when they're in an active fight 
against it. They're in an active fight against it. And the enemy is just giving them, hey, why don't you try this? Click this button. Go over here. And it's working through all those filters. Like a back place. door, even yeah. to the filters. And that's that what we have to remember is we're in a war. And the enemy is not relenting. And so we need, to, we need to set up a standard against him. And we need to say, we are going to, and what I love in this, in this example I'm sharing with you is even I've watched this, this young man in particular I'm thinking of, he, you know, he will come to us every time that the enemy gives him a loophole to go back into his sin. Whether he goes into it or whether he falls into it or not in the moment, he will come to us the very next moment. And he he is telling us because he's watching his younger brothers. Mm. He knows his younger brothers getting a phone next year and is going to be hit with all the same temptation. He knows his brothers going over to his friend's house and that these temptations are going to be there. And so he is constantly keeping us informed of, hey, you get all all the guys that have filters. And he even knows because he started walking with his buddies and he's saying, hey, I know you look at pornography and I know you have blocks on your phone. This, you need to delete this app because it doesn't work with the block, you know? And so he, there's a, a, an accountability coming even between, even between them as young men saying, we're going to stand up against this. Wow. Wow. It's amazing because more and more, um, with technology, I just think of a story that s- someone recently shared with me with their younger children going into an environment with somebody who has been a good friend with them, but, um, they allowed their children to go, young child, we're talking young, you know, like um, first, second grade, they allowed them to go on YouTube innocently looking at kitty cat videos or puppy yeah. dog videos, yeah. something like that. Something that this person said they do not allow their child to do. Yeah. And it actually, uh, for them, opened up a whole new arena of what they have to think about and how they have to protect their child because that one home, um, their child is able to access tools on the computer that they don't make available to their children. So you have to be thinking younger and younger and younger. Yeah, you do. And I think, you know, to, to speak even to that situation, if you, you know, if you, as a, as a youth minister, ha- are running classes at your church, that are informing families on how to do this and how to filter and and the dangers that are out there. You're you're really what you're creating is in your congregation, you're creating you know people who are aware of the war and can be a resource and can be salt and light to their community so that when that when that conversation comes up between those families where that family has to say, you know, essentially have a, a what could be an awkward conversation of I don't like how you're filtering, you're not filtering your kids' uh, computer access and I, you know, I'm filtering mine. Instead, they get to come at it from an angle of, and what really could be an outreach yeah. angle of, hey, you know, I just attended a class at my church and I found out that there's a lot of, there's a lot of dangers that could come from letting our young kids look at YouTube. Here's, here's what they could stumble. They could stumble upon this pornography or this, this opens a door here. And, you know, I found this really great filter that blocks these things, but still allows our kids to access these things. You should try this. Or can we put this on your computer? Cause I'd love to have my kid over. Um, you've opened up a door that then that other parent who I'm sure doesn't want their, you know, young child stumbling upon pornography or uh, a predator on the internet you know, you've opened a door where all of a sudden your your uh, that family's a resource for them. And hey, another one of those classes is coming up next month at the church. Do you want to come? And you've opened up a door for outreach to to families and in, in communities. 
Well, as we end this podcast, let me just uh, let the FCF family know that we will do everything in our power to give them at least some some sites, some tools that they can use Definitely. Um, that will help be safeguards for their youth groups, safeguards for their families and their church. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Be sure to mark your calendars for the upcoming West Leadership Summit in Tucson, Arizona. Speakers include Jen Tringale, Jeremy Pearson, Happy Caldwell, and Cookie Brothers. Join us on October 15th through the 17th at FCF of Tucson. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.